What is up, guys? Thank you all for checking out this edition of the New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. I am your host, EJ Stewart. We got a great show lined up for you today. Of course, we're coming out of NBA All-Star Weekend, the NBA regular season resuming this week. Plenty of amazing images, plenty of big storylines coming out of All-Star Weekend, including what's the deal with LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers and this alleged budding war? That may be going on between LeBron's camp and the Lakers. We'll talk about that in just a bit. We'll also talk about a, a really kind of ugly situation uh, regarding college basketball with the with the suspension of Juwan Howard. Of course, you had that altercation that went on between Howard and Wisconsin coach Greg Gard following the Wolverines' loss to the Badgers on Sunday. Howard is done for the rest of the regular season. That was which, uh, suspension that constituted five games. And, um, and it's really kind of had college basketball talking about a lot of things. One, you know, was the punishment fair given what Howard got in guard not being suspended? Um, what's the future of the post-game handshake ritual? Is that something that needs to be be reassessed or maybe even eliminated completely? So there's been plenty of, of discussion regarding uh, the fallout from that. And we'll continue that discussion a little bit on this podcast. And we'll talk about the MLB lockout, man. Um, we are in a uh, very a very tenuous situation and a very tenuous time period in the negotiations for a new CBA. The MLB putting the deadline of this week. And as you're listening to this podcast, the deadline may actually end up passing of, of if there is not a deal by Friday, games will be missed in major league baseball this season. Now I got, there were some maybe non-purists that say, look, 162, I'm fine with 156 or some lower number. But I, I, I think that, I think for a lot of people, we understand that there's some great damage being done with these negotiations. And we'll talk about what the ramifications for Major League Baseball and for baseball as a sport in America can be if this lockout continues for a considerable amount of time. So really great podcast episode we got for you guys. Hope you guys enjoy this one. Joining me is my co-host, Kendall Stewart. And Kendall, before we get to the stuff with the Lakers and LeBron, another NBA story that seems to have really captivated a lot of people is the situation regarding Zion Williamson and the New Orleans Pelicans. Of course, Zion has been injured for pretty much this entire season. Actually, not pretty much for this whole entire season. He's not played one game. He had broken his foot, you know, and you know, in the lead up to the regular season. And there's been uh, a really tough ramp up period for him trying to get back into shape and get his foot back right. You know, he had uh, setbacks and a lot of his rehab. And we, we really don't seem to know what's going on with him. He, he seems to kind of disappear from the face of the earth. Um, the only time we seem to ever see him is when we, 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 he shows up to the games at times in street clothes. And, of course, the, the conversation regarding his conditioning, his weight, seemed to really take credence uh, because of his I guess, physical appearance. Otherwise, that's, that's pretty much all we've really seen from Zion Williamson. I don't think we've really even seen him for quite a bit. And... Kendall, the, the conversation about his happiness in New Orleans was ramped up again this weekend when C.J. McCollum, who was traded from the Portland Trailblazers to the Pelicans, revealed to TNT during All-Star Weekend that Zion Williamson, at that point in time, had not reached out to him. Didn't He had, he had reached out to Zion's team. Apparently, he had spoke to people close to Zion. But Zion Williamson, the, 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 his, his apparent running, running mate in New Orleans, didn't take the time of day to say, hey, man, welcome to New Orleans, man. I know a good spot for gumbo or something like that. There was 
there was nothing. There was no communication between them, according to C.J. McCollum. Now, in fairness to Zion, apparently that has changed since. Zion has reached out to C.J. McCollum since this revelation. But it led J.J. Reddick, a former teammate of Zion Williamson and an uh, ESPN analyst um, on various ESPN platforms, and he took this platform to be on first take, to basically question Zion Williamson's commitment as a teammate. He said that Zion Williamson has shown a pattern of behavior that is questionable and concerning and that it is concerning to him because having played with Zion Williamson, he understands that in his opinion, Zion is a detached teammate, as is all the words that he kept using. And clearly he felt like there was a level of professionalism that Zion wasn't showing in reaching out to CJ McCollum. Now, Kendall, we had a long conversation about this off air and we'll, I guess, have a shorter conversation about this here but I, i'll be honest and it, it seems like i'm on the island on this one which is kind of fun i don't i don't mind being on the island on certain takes and certain opinions here i have very little issue with anything zion williamson in regards to him not reaching out to cg mccollum because to me what is happening with zion is very clear there was a ticket sales email that went out to season ticket holders this is for NBA teams, in terms, especially you no know, individual teams, not teams that are sharing revenue, this is where you're going to make a lot of your money. You know what I'm saying? Like season, season ticket sales can are the most important thing to you if you're a franchise. And in yeah. this season ticket sale package that went out for the 2022-2023 season, not for the rest of this season, not for the, the home stretch for them trying to make the play-in, for the next season, Zion Williamson was not named in the, in the email. They named C.J. McCollum, new coach Willie Green. Brandon Ingram, no Zion Williamson name. He's not in any of the pictures on the on the on the promo. So you see that, you see this him just not being around. He's apparently rehabbing in Portland. Nike, I think, is hooking him up, uh, uh, of course, because they have, their facilities are in Oregon. He's been he so he hasn't even been in the city. He hasn't really shown up to a lot of games recently. You see this email go out. You hear that he is not talking to C.J. McCollum when C.J. McCollum gets traded. To me, it's very clear what's happened, and I think that there's some weird, like, deniability and weird kind of, like, head-in-the-sand conversation being had about Zion and, and his decorum here. It's very clear to me Zion Williamson has requested to be traded from the Pelicans. And I think that he's made it very clear to them. I think he made it explicitly clear. I think he's told them that. And if he didn't explicitly tell them, I think he's done everything he can to let them know I don't want to be here when I get healthy. And to that point, the Pelicans know that to me because they're not promoting him as a member of their team for next season. So when we go to Zion not wanting to reach out to C.J. McCollum, I don't think it's anything personal to C.J. McCollum. I don't think he has he wants anything to do with this organization. They've botched his injury history. They've botched his stardom just as a player they've botched his entire rollout of his nba career so when we talk about should he have reached out should he not have reached out i don't think it's really to his benefit to reach out to cj mccollum for a guy he doesn't have any intention on playing basketball with and it to me is very obvious that that's the case so i didn't quite understand some of the heat he's gotten for why this instance was the camel that broke the straw's back and why we need to have a larger conversation about Zion Williamson. 
Now, if you want to talk about the fact that he can't stay healthy, you want to talk about the fact that maybe he can't stay healthy because of his conditioning issues, that, all good. All fair game. But this particular instance where he don't want to talk to C.J. McCollum, and that's somehow this 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 crisis, I think you're putting your head in the sand not paying attention to what's going on. Zion Williamson doesn't want anything to do with the Pelicans. He doesn't want anything to do with this organization. And I don't understand why him not reaching out to God he has no intention of playing with was a massive story. Kendall, where am I off on this if you believe that I am off on this? Uh, I, I think you're off in giving Zion a pass in this situation. Um, I, I, I think you're off because, one, Zion hasn't publicly requested a trade. Why does he have to do that? Why does Zion have to? There's a question I asked you off air, and I didn't get an answer then, so I'm going to ask it again. Why does yeah. he have to do that? Uh, I mean, I think he because <laughs> Kyrie because Kyrie didn't when he left the Cavaliers. He told the Cavaliers he never made a public announcement. It was the Cavaliers who then said Kyrie wants to be traded. Right. Um, I mean, I to me, I think when it comes to Zion, he's the last time we saw him, he he made it. You know, he 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 acted. Wanted to be here. He wanted to be in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not you believed him was another conversation, but it seemed as if he was a guy that wanted to that 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 was at least you know putting up front, putting the front that he was that he was committed to the team. But his actions have said have said otherwise, um, and it becomes a point where. Again, as far as we know, that hasn't happened. If I mean, if you're correct, if your theory is correct that he's told them he wants out, then it shouldn't be a surprise why he hasn't talked to C.J. McCollum. But my thing would be, why doesn't C.J. McCollum? Why is C.J. McCollum even, you know, why is he even entertaining that conversation? You know, like, why, like, for C.J. McCollum, you say, you know, if, you, if you're asked about Zion. Well, well, he, well he was asked. Yeah, exactly. If you're asked about he, Zion, he, he was asked, you know, how, have you talked to Zion? What's that conversation yeah. like? He's like, there hasn't been one. Yeah, and, you know, if if you're asked about it, then say that guy, you know, you got to be a little more cryptic about it, or a little bit more. Like he doesn't. <laughs> I'm I'm only talking to guys who want to be in New Orleans. You know, like my thing is. I mean, that's nothing I, cryptic about saying that. <laughs> I mean, saying. that yeah, that becomes that becomes you know the head, the, the the breaking news headline right. on every but, like, sports. My network thing is, you can't. America. You don't you don't handle it with you don't continue to handle it with kid gloves. The guy gives you a trade request. You don't say, yeah, you know, well, I tried to get in contact and you know I've talked to his people, but haven't really talked to him. That's given him a lot. Now he's a he's he's what is he play, president of the player association. You know he he probably doesn't want to ruffle too many feathers, but um. And all obviously that that, that this, all of that became a little bit of a moot point because eventually he got in contact with Zion. So it does suggest that there has been that that Zion now sees the the, the backlash that he's gotten. Uh, he posted on social media today um, a picture with uh, <laughs> with Jackson Hayes and, and and Willie Billy Hernan Gomez 
saying my guys, you know, my guys for life or something like that. Um, so he's he he's now trying to put up the front that he's a good teammate, and that's I mean it it, it makes sense given all the backlash. But I think that again the reason why he deserves flack is he hasn't we when we're sympathetic as a collective usually it's to the guys who we feel like have put in a real effort you look at uh damian lillard you know you've got people basically begging damian lillard to ask for a trade you feel like man he's put in all his work he's gone through injuries he's gone through long playoff series he's gone through other guys not showing up even though he's played great not being able to to when he's gone through dynasties where he had just had no chance because he's going against these, these super teams and he hasn't had the help. And you're just hoping that he can get out of Portland and, and get to a, a, a contending team. But we, again, we've never questioned Damian Lowe's work ethic. We've never questioned his want to. With Zion, with Zion Williamson, that that's that is the conversation with, with Zion. Beyond his his, you know, being able to stay healthy, a lot of his health questions arise from his ability to, you know, his work ethic, you know, his ability to stay in, in, in condition, his ability to to stay on the court uh, and be able to play long minutes because he's in because he's in shape. Without that, these questions arise about um, is he committed to the game? And if you have those questions about is a guy committed to the game, that's where you get to this point where people don't have sympathy for you. When, if you don't want to be in a, if you don't want to be in New Orleans, you know. Um, but I don't understand. I, I, I guess where I disagree is I don't, I don't think it's a fair correlation to point to his lack of commitment to this team, to his lack of commitment to the game at, at large. I don't think that that's a fair leap to make. So, are, especially are you one of those know, people? Especially when we know this team, we know this team are, is a clown show. So, are you one of those people that they said the draft? is an archaic way of 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 bringing players into the league and a guy should be allowed to sign wherever they want. I think that it's always been an interesting theory. But that's the that only I've way. Seen, I've seen put like, out there, but I'm not way. one of those people who, who – I do not like that. No, I'm not one of those people. I'm not someone who's, like, super dismissive. Like, I, I think it's an interesting premise, and I kind of understand it to some degree. But, no, right. I'm not one of those people. Because that's that the I only like. way you avoid these situations, ultimately. I agree like, with that. You guys, you know, if you're Zion Williamson – and you're going to be the number one pick in the draft, you don't really control where you end up. No. Um, I mean, to, for the large part, no. Right. You, I mean, you can try. You We've can never try, had but... Seriously it, try. It, yeah, it, We it think get, maybe becomes, Luka may have tried to, yeah. to finagle his way into Dallas, but, you know, there's very rare, and you know, obviously Eli Manning is an example, but there's very rare situations where guys try, particularly guys that are, that are number one pick. Uh, level guys, yeah, try most guys that have, most guys that have been able to do it in sports history have been guys with very influential dads like John Elway and Eli Manning. Yeah, guys who who had families and like they had whole like enterprises behind them that kind of gave them some cover to to be able to to do it. Right, but those are NFL examples. There there aren't too many NBA examples. There, it's funny, like if you ever watch the the uh, Magic Moment Eat Thirty for Thirty by uh, ESPN, yes. there's a large portion of that of that documentary, which I think is great. I think it's an underrated Thirty for Thirty about the Magic's concern that Shaq was trying to get his way to LA as a rookie. Yeah, like the way his agent was kind of moving with the Magic, 
was very it was very weird when you hear when you hear how he was moving and some of like the stiff arming that was happening when the magic won the lottery i understood their uh their anxiety about whether or not Shaq was actually going to uh be ready to suit up for the magic and be be ready to be there as a rookie so you know and and no uh, Shaq denies it. he says look i'm one of the people i'm superstitious i'm not gonna you know like uh, really engage with something unless I know it's it's gonna happen and it's real. Even though, again, no, it is a rock science to know that the the, the the magic we're gonna take Shaq the first pick once they won the lottery. But but you know it, it doesn't seem to be a strategy that has worked as effectively in the NBA draft. I think for me, I do want to point out something about the commentary from JJ Reddick because this was JJ Reddick. Now I think for context, JJ Reddick, by the way, last March. He had Zion Williamson on his podcast. And throughout Zion's career in New Orleans, he's bigged him up. He spoke highly of him. He's been, I guess, what you would consider a good teammate. This is what J.J. Reddick said about the New Orleans Pelicans front office on his podcast last season. Quote, and this was after he was traded. If you remember, he had, I guess, apparently told the Pelicans, Look, given where my family lives in Brooklyn, um, I think they live in Brooklyn or somewhere yes. in New York. So given my family lives in Brooklyn and just my, my, my situation right now, it's really not great for me to be traded to anywhere else. Like, I'll stay here, but like, please don't send me to some random city. Or if, or if you're going to trade me, send me, please, like closer to Brooklyn. Apparently, they, the Pelicans and David Griffin, the, the Pelicans president, gave him their word. Of course, that did not happen. A couple of weeks later, he was <laughs> traded to the Dallas Mavericks. And J.J. Reddick was furious when this happened. And when he got to speak about his experience with the Pelicans, he said, quote, I don't think you're going to get honesty from that front office, objectively speaking. That's not an opinion. I just don't think you're going to get that. I don't think what happened with me is necessarily an isolated incident. I think front offices around the league operate in their best interests. I get that. I understand that. Truthfully, I think I was a little naive. I was thinking thinking I was in year 15, and I attempted to do things right throughout my career. But in terms of this front office, yeah, it's not something where I would expect certainly the agents who worked on this with me to ever trust that front office again. I just find it hard to believe for me that you could have those scathing remarks about David Griffin, uh, Trajan Langdon, and that front office and then today, say Zion is this detached teammate, and I don't understand why. He says it's, this is not an opinion that this is a dishonest front office. He says it's not an opinion. He says it's fact. It just is what it is. That is this that they're dishonest, and that this isn't an isolated. Fans know. And this is a, this isn't an isolated incident. So he's he's acknowledging that there's some tomfoolery going on in New Orleans. And Pelicans fans know that that. Those comments were, they were directed. Those comments about D- David Griffin were, it was a, it was a warning about Zion because right. Have, That's how we all interpreted it at the time. They had the same agent, and he says the agents that work with me. <laughs> come on now, you know I don't like, know. Come if they on, can homie. Expect honesty. So we knew any of the Duke guy, and again, that was the topic of conversation at the time was Zion Williamson and being able to keep him. So he's, it was like he was throwing out a threat. He was like a veiled threat that like. All right, you mess with me, but don't expect you know this isn't going to play well with with Zion and CAA. I don't uh, understand how you can l- launch 
attacks against Zion for being detached from these people that you're saying are dishonest and that it's not an opinion, that is a fact, and that this isn't an See, isolated my, my, my thing, though, EJ, is that the, both things could be true. He could think that David Griffin's a snake, but that doesn't mean that Zion... I'm not saying Zion isn't detached. I'm saying you know why. He's saying it right here. But the front office and the team are two very different things. I totally disagree with that. I, 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 I very, totally disagree very with that. Very different things. That's the French. That's the team you're playing with. That's the franchise. If if by saying I'm gonna be you know Johnny Hustle and I'm gonna text all my teammates and be the leader of this team, and but also saying by the way yo get me out of here, you're not putting any pressure on the organization to actually get you out of there. That's what you're now, trying you to do. You got a problem with the coaches as well. If you got like Ben Simmons, yes, you had a problem with the organization, but right. you also had a problem with Doc Rivers. You had a problem with Joel Embiid. It wasn't like that's. He had a in, in theory, he had a right to be like, I don't want to be around any of these people. But we've seen plenty of people. I mean, look at look at the last dance with, with Michael Jordan. He he had he didn't like Gary Krause, but that had nothing to do with Phil Jackson. That had nothing to do with the rest of that team and them trying to win. Look at what Aaron Rodgers has done with the Packers. As much nonsense as we've given Aaron Rodgers, like at the very least, he you know, and as much nonsense as he's given the Packers. <laughs> he, you know, at the very least, he's come to show up to play for Matt Lafleur, for Devontae Adams. That's his guy. If you're Zion, and look, if you don't want to be around any of these people, then just say it. But he hasn't made that. Yeah, again, he's saying, you know, my teammates are my guys, this and that. You can't be in and out and be out of shape if you've got a problem with David Griffin. Which is like, why do you have a problem with David Griffin? Now but we know, but we know why. Again, JJ is laying out the case. He was laying out the case last year. His agent and Zion's agents are the same people. And they're saying, I don't think these agents are going to work with you anymore. Like, it's not, this is very much one plus one equals two to me. Like, I don't see how you, yeah, can, but this, you, can, that, that, you can have this take and then say, yo, like, you should have been a better teammate for this team that we all know are snakes and no one should ever work with them again. How does that make any sense? But to me that that is... The situation that happened with J.J. Redick, I don't know if that then that then, then becomes an excuse for why Zion went out of New Orleans. Like, no, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying Redick, because he's a role player. No, let, let me end be of clear, his career, and Zion is the franchise player, the biggest name that we've had come into the league since LeBron. And he's going to say that would be an excuse. You know, that wouldn't be a reason why. No, he, that's so why he went out. No, so let me be clear. I'm not saying that what happened to J.J. Redick is why Zion wants to leave. J.J. doesn't mention what happened to him in this quote. He's saying this is a dishonest organization and that this isn't an isolated incident. I'm saying he's telling you right there that this organization is moving very funny, not just with me, but with other people. And this is a problem. So when I say he's saying right here why Zion wouldn't want to be around these people, that's why I don't understand you can come back and say, well, you shouldn't be so detached. He's not saying, oh, me, you trading me to you know, Dallas was this crime. Like he, he doesn't say that here. He talks very much in a macro way, which is why when it came out, people were like, wow, this is a very massive shot across the brow to David Griffin and that organization, what they're trying to do to paint them in this larger light. 
as yeah. a dishonest group. So when I say we know why because I'm pointing to this quote right here, it's because he's saying here these people move funny. So that's all I need to know about why Zion don't want nothing to do with these people. So if you're that guy that's saying not only have they been messing with me, but they're messing with other folks around here and around this league, you can't then a year later say, well, he should he should he should call CJ McCollum. I don't want to hear that. I don't I don't want to hear that from him. And knowing that this organization has been moving funny, it's not also it's like this isn't this isn't the only thing we have on the Pelicans and how shady they've been. Like this isn't the only quote. We have a lot of stories about the shadiness of David Griffin, how he treats people that have been on the organization, how he treats people after they've left or he's fired them. We we know what time it is in New Orleans. And 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 my last thing on this quickly is, and maybe it's, it's, it's sour grapes, and I don't care if it comes off as of sour grapes, but when the New York Knicks had their issues with Chris Porzingis or Chris Porzingis has issues with the Knicks, whatever you want to call it, I think many people would describe his actions prior to him asking for a trade request as being detached. He didn't show up to a, a, a meeting after the end of the season with Phil Jackson. He was in Latvia all summer, wasn't talking to the team. The only way the new regime, when David Fisdale was hired and Steve uh, and, 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 and Scott Perry, general manager, was hired, they had to fly to Latvia to talk to him. When it came to his rehab, he was nowhere near the team. There were a lot of similarities to how Zion has acted with the Pelicans. And similarities with the fact that he's coming up on this massive extension that we assume most rookies are signed because how do you pass up that guaranteed money unless, unless <laughs> you're trying to maybe hold them over a barrel to get you out of there. And when that happened with Chris Asporzingis, all I heard from most of the basketball world was, well, look at the Knicks organization. Look at how they treated him. Look at how they built their team. Look at how they treated Melo. Just like we're talking about J.J. Reddick, like another example. Look how they treated Melo. Look how they treated a different person. Why wouldn't you want to be there? This is really the Knicks' fault. Chris Stapps is so young. You can't blame him. That's all I heard. And to be clear, during that, when that happened, and you know this, Kendall, I crushed the Knicks for that happening. I crushed Chris Stapps. I said he was a villain in New York for the rest of his career. But I also said the Knicks not being able to figure this out was also on them. But in that instance... There was very little room outside of New York City for criticism of Chris Asporzingis and how he moved because of the ineptitude of the New York Knicks. I don't understand today why the ineptitude that is very well documented and former players have gone public about it by the New Orleans Pelicans is somehow null and void when it comes to assessing Zion Williamson's happiness and dedication to the Pelicans. I don't get it. I don't I, get it. So, and if someone can explain it to me, I'll gladly listen. But to me, it looks like nonsense. I think that there are I think there are many differences with the Porzingis Zion situation. I, I think you mentioned some similarities that are that are interesting, but I think you know, first of all, Porzingis played so many more games with the Knicks than, than Zion has played with the Pelicans. Um I I, I think Zion's played what, like eighty something games, eighty five games in his career, and Porzingis played one hundred and eighty six with the Knicks. So that goes back to the conversation of, 
you know, you haven't really even been there. And you're you're like you're already upset. <laughs> we've we've done this for we've only done this for for now. This is your third year. You haven't even played all at all this season, and you missed most of your last two seasons. And and you're and now you're upset. Why? <laughs> you know, like there's nothing, like nothing has happened. The team hasn't been great. Yes, coaches have gotten fired. You would, I would argue, a lot of these coaches got fired in part because he wasn't there. Um, although you know there have been times where he was there and the team has struggled. Um, but that that's been a lot of the concern or a lot of the issue with the Pelicans over the last three or four years or last three years is that Zion, that you know, the guy who's supposed to be the franchise player, well, David Griffin would have told you differently when he got drafted. Mm-hmm. The guy who's supposed to be the franchise player isn't isn't in, isn't in the lineup most of the time, you know. Um, and then I think the other big difference is just when you're talking about the player. Also, first of all, New York. It, you, there's an added advantage and an added expectation of being competent, not even competence, competency, but more so like you have, you have, you have an added advantage in terms of being able to put together a better roster when you're in New York versus New Orleans. So there's, there's an expectation that you should be able to acquire better talent through free agency. More guys should be interested, you know, but that's uh, not fair. Cause it, you haven't seen that ever be true. I mean, I'm just saying that that's, that that's, that's the, that's the that's the expectation. I mean, the Knicks. I mean, we we know there are guys who have, like when was the last time the Pelicans like attracted a big time free agent? You know, I mean, I don't know what that guy. I don't know what that looks like with the, with the Pelicans. I mean, I'm sure they've. I mean, the Knicks have that. never attracted a big time free agent. Mark Steinmeier was the last one. I mean, say I mean, it's, it's not never. You know, I mean, I mean but they, they got, that was one. That's one, right? that's one in. That's not. Not a big time free agent. I mean, big time. I mean, again, a guy that. That's commanding a pretty big salary. I mean, again, I, I'm not putting Julius Randle. Not pulling Julius Randle post his Pelicans days in that same class as Amari Stoudemire. I'm not doing. That. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not saying he's Amari Stoudemire, but it's just the point he, that he was not even an All Star. It's easier to attract guys in free agents to go to New York, New York than it is to go to the Pelicans. <laughs> I, I'm not taking that at face value. I'm sorry, as a Knicks fan that, who's that, been that, scorned by too many people, I'm not taking that at face value. Not the Knicks. You're talking about the New York City, the Nets. That's a different conversation. The Knicks, I'm not. They 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 signed the, the biggest signs. The biggest signs they've had in the last the in the last 20 years has been Tyson Chandler and Amari Stoudemire. That goes back to the point. You know, like the only reason you're not taking that at face value is because of the incompetency of the organization, which is why people got on the franchise when when they when the Porzingis thing fell through. Whereas with with Zion. We understand that the reason the Pelicans aren't able to normally attract talents like Zion and Anthony Davis, who they've gotten through the lottery and through the draft, is because, and Chris Paul, is because they're a small market, you know? And it's part of the reason why they've lost Chris Paul and, and, and Anthony Davis to Los Angeles. But, you know, so a little tougher of a job. So, you know, when you're talking about building that roster, yes, it's not an excuse to say, because there are small market teams that do well, you know the Utah Jazz have a great roster, and um, you know the Memphis Grizzlies have surrounded John ja Morant with a lot of help. But John ja Morant also is on the court, and he's playing hard, and he's the leader of the team. You know that when it comes to Porzingis, I, you know I, I think there are some people that have probably seen now post the Dallas situation that 
maybe it wasn't all the Knicks. Maybe Porzingis deserves some blame as well. But I think, you know, again, we're talking about a guy that um, wasn't the the number one pick in the draft, didn't have the expectations that that Zion had. That, um, you know, it, it's just a different, it's just a different case. I think there are some similarities, some parallels. But if you want to know why the reaction was it was so much fervently anti Nick during that conversation, but it hasn't been anti Pelican, you know, it's it's ultimately, I mean, again, the Knicks, you're 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 expected to be able to surround that guy with somebody, you know. It's not, and also the team wasn't. But they, they had, Grandma Lansing was on the team. Like it wasn't like they they there was absolutely nobody on. Right, the team. right. When he was younger. Right. He was there most of the time. He was there. But yeah. he, he only played three seasons for the Knicks. Two of them he played with Carmelo Anthony. Right. By the time he left, you know, at that point when he went, when he wanted out, he was looking around and that team was was, was barren. <laughs> it was, um, but they, they, and look, they, he was supposed to be the guy. And then again, they were, he was the guy. Know, they signed Tim Hardaway as his number two, and and that was supposed to be. They were running with that, and they were going to try to get another high draft pick. I just think to me, I, I, I just I, I just reject the notion that because the Knicks should have been better given their situation, even though their situation has never proven to be an advantage to them. I don't I don't I don't see how that that means. Oh, that that's why Porzingis deserved more rope than Zion. And again, he gave them a he gave he he was there longer. And also, again, he's not as good. You know, there may have been people. You may, you know, may have, you may have thought at the time, but again, there wasn't the there there wasn't the 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 thing that. Oh yeah, like yeah, Porzingis, you know, been here. But yeah, we would have been a top five team in the conference or a top six team in the conference. You know, or and, and, and I don't know. Porzingis people were saying that he was the next Kareem. So I, he, I don't. He, I, don't <laughs> again, I don't know about that. Uh, you know, or, we're gonna I, keep I, it a hundred about how they were talking about Chris Porzingis when he was with the Knicks. Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> I there were, you're right about that. There were people yeah, on come on, far, but um, and also just again the idea that we look at Zion and we ask why is he why is he dealing with these injury problems? Why is he on the court? And then it goes back to you got to look at the the man in the mirror. Um, yep, I get that. You know, with Porzingis, yeah. I mean, he had a he had a blowing ACL. He wasn't out there, and yeah, he, he had other injuries, but you know. That, that, but, that's but, with but with Porzingis, it was also physical conditioning was a part of it. That was absolutely again the 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 microscope that Zion's under is just not the microscope Chris Porzingis was under. Which to me, if we're talking about expectations, he's in New York City. I, I I don't I can't I can't accept that he's playing in New York City for the New York Knicks. I can't ex- yeah. I can't accept that the Knicks had this greater expectation because they're in New York and they're the Knicks to be better. But also Porzingis, well, there's things we just didn't know about him. And we gotta just forgive that. No, he was playing for the Knicks in New York City, and he was this big star. I can't, I can't look at what happened with him and be like, oh no, that commentary made sense when everything we've seen since then has really looked better for the Knicks. And then look at the Zion situation, see people calling it the way they're calling it, not saying, yo, this looks totally messed up. And and, and I think that is again, in my opinion, it's very much a one plus one equals two situation. I have. Virtually no problem with him not responding to CJ McCollum, who's calling him. Because again, I think it's but again, unless, I, unless, the, the only reason, the only way, the only, the only, wait, real quick, Kendall. The only thing, the only thing I will pull back and say I will say I was wrong if is if 
he he does want to be a Pelican somehow. If somehow that's the case, then I don't know what the hell he's doing. But like but that again, to me, is, the card is so far in the barn that would be shocking to me. Isn't don't you sense a lack of respect for just like for I mean look CJ McCollum for being a professional that, and that's what JD Reddick's trying to say ultimately is again even if you've got a beef with David Griffin that has nothing to do with disrespecting CJ McCollum and not being a man and getting on the phone and saying sorry man you know I don't really want to be here you know it's it's the same conversation that Ben Simmons the same the same reason Ben Simmons was getting flat. And at least again, at least Ben Simmons was like, "Look, my mental health is not in the right space. I don't really want to be here. I'm not comfortable." Zion hasn't said anything. Okay, yeah. Let me let me let me ask you one question then. Like, we well, do got to move on. Cause we've been on this for a while. But what if he told the Pelicans, "I'm not trying to be here," and then CJ McCollum showing up and he's calling his phone. He's like, "Why is this guy calling my phone?" The Pelicans know I don't want to be here. Why this guy should know I don't want to be here? Like, what's going on? In my opinion, again, we don't know what happened. I think I know what happened, but we're all we're all, there's speculation here. But I think from his perspective, I, I I think that there's something to the idea that if I told my my employer I'm not showing up to work until this thing's resolved, and I got coworkers calling me by yo man, I can't wait to link up. I'd be like, what? Why are you calling my phone? Everybody should know what time it is. So that's that would be my response to that is. If he told the Pelicans very explicitly, I'm not I don't want to be here. I don't want your new acquisition calling my phone. Then why don't you go to the media? Like Well, we know that, why. He doesn't want he doesn't want to he doesn't want to be seen as this massive villain and Well that's what you that's what you're doing. No. That's what you're, good you're doing a good job of accomplishing that. Like that's my thing, that if we're upset I mean I that that I that I understand because Harden had a similar strategy that didn't like, work. We're asking why are people upset at why are people upset at Zion for not talking to CJ McCollum? It's because he hasn't said he wanted out. So like, what are you doing? But here? but I just think that again, I think it's <laughs> extremely and the last thing we gotta say on this we do gotta move on. We got a lot to talk about, but I just think it's extremely naive to watch what's going on and somehow think he has not told them I want out. That 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 to me is like that's why I don't I can't accept that. And me personally, in my opinion. Because I'm like, we know he wants out. He's told them that, in my opinion. So when we say, oh, what's the big deal? Well, how, oh, how could we say that if he hasn't said it? I'm like, he has said it. I don't, he don't got to say He don't got to tell me that. He Everything he's doing is telling me that very obviously. And I don't live in New right. Orleans. I'm not following them on a daily basis. We, You know, we both, obviously, we talk about our younger brother, Henry, who's a Pelicans fan. So plugged in a little bit maybe more than the average NBA fan. But I'm not following them like that. Everything we see, and I lived through Chris Asporzingis as a Knicks fan. So everything I'm seeing, I'm seeing I've seen this playbook before. It's very clear. And J.J. Reddick is in the NBA and was his former teammate and is represented by the same agents. So I don't want to hear, I don't want to see naivety from him about why is he acting this but way. That's my point. Like, that don't he, make no if, sense. If he's say, if he's not coming out and saying, look, we all know Zion doesn't want to be here. Or we all know Zion, you know, from what I'm hearing. He's he not saying that too. because he's off the record probably. And that's why I don't like. You're bringing up, you're, you're, you're presenting commentary without full context and if you can't provide full context then shut up <laughs> then then yeah. then then you have nothing to say that that's 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 how i feel respectfully jj i don't yeah. need to hear from you if you're not gonna give full context of why zion's acting this way and say oh regardless of what may be going on 
he should be a better teammate. No, no, I'm not. I'm not here for that. I'm sorry. I don't need to hear. I don't need to hear from that from a guy who told me just last year during the same time he had Zion on his podcast that this is a dishonest organization and this is an isolated incident. What happened to me? I don't want to hear. We got a lot of stuff to get to, Kendall. So let's let's race through some of this other stuff here on this podcast. Very spirited, open to the show. Hope you guys enjoying this conversation. I said it would be a shorter version of our offer conversation. I don't think that that was the case, given given uh given how we went back and forth. But um, we don't argue. We don't really like. We go at it. We go at it a little bit. We don't go at it that much. So I think it's probably a treat for people who really hear me and you on complete opposite spectrums of a situation like this. But let, let's talk about another. You know interesting situation that's unfolding in the nba so leagues coming out of a historic all-star weekend that saw legends from his 75th anniversary team honored at halftime of the all-star game lakers star lebron james remained front and center for much of the weekend because of his ties to the host city of cleveland and his comments throughout that weekend he made his pub uh he made public his assertion that he plans to finish his career playing alongside his son Bronny, who's a high school junior at the moment a pretty good high school junior, by the way. Most counts a top 30, top 40 type of player. Um, and that he has not closed the door to a return to play for the Cleveland Cavaliers. It came as reports from his camp expressed frustration uh, uh, over Robert Palenka's lack of action at the trade deadline. Bill Orem of The Athletics says one source described it as a budding, quote, war between LeBron and the Lakers. Kendall, given the Lakers' struggles, do you think there's any chance LeBron could play elsewhere as soon as next season? And if not, do you believe that it is imminent, though, that he will not be there? Uh, that's an interesting question. I mean, I think LeBron basically told us he's not going to be a Laker. I agree. He's not going to end his Laker. I think he basically told us that. I mean, barring them making a the push draft, to find or, or drafting Or drafting Ronnie, yeah. <laughs> you know, he's probably, you know, just the odds – if we're assuming that, you know, every team in the league has the same chance of getting Bronny, then, you know, there's a, there's a one in 30 chance that he's going to stay with he's gonna end his career with Lakers. So, you know, he's already he's already told us that that's pretty much out of the cards, uh, which is, look, it's not a surprise. I think anyone that's in the know or not even in the know, just anybody that's been following LeBron's career and Bronny's career closely have known that this was clearly where this was going. If LeBron was able to hang on in the way he'd been playing and at the level he'd been playing, it became clear that yeah, that'd probably be on his bucket list of career things. So you know, mark that as a the time in which you know he may want to retire. Um, but and I and I don't know for sure if that will be LeBron's last season. You know, he's saying that now that that'll be his last season, but. Um, we always, I also as, I also agree with that. I agree. As we with saw that. with Tom Brady, yeah. or as we're seeing with Tom Brady, like you know, you're playing at a really really high level. You never really know. But, um, but as of right now, he's projecting that, that would be his last year, and that and that, and that makes sense. But, um, but again, you know, in terms of the Lakers in the short term, I mean, I've made I've said it. I don't know if I said it on the show, but I've definitely told you that I, I feel like we're. I noticed a couple weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, I was like, I think we may be witnessing the end of LeBron's uh, run on a contending championship caliber team, um, which is, I guess, look, it's, I mean, we, we saw it with Kobe Bryant. He just came and went Yeah, where Kobe went from, yeah, I think I might have said this on the show. He, you know, he went from that, that, uh, that team that lost to uh, Dallas 
you know, yep, they was, uh, got upset. Swept, right? Yeah, it was swept. Yeah, and sweet. Yeah. Um, and that team was so. Phil Jackson's last team. That team, you know, we thought, you know, could could win a championship. And right after that, it was kind of like that Laker team last year, where you're like, yeah, I mean, look, they they can still win a title. Yeah. Um. And they never anywhere close. Kobe never yeah. got close to it. Yeah. Even to, though they, so. even though they got Dwight Howard and they got Steve. Yeah, Matthews. yeah. It's not like that was the end of the super team. Yeah, they they tried to do uh, stuff and it just didn't. Never, yeah, and that that, that, that is kind of what this team was. Like you got Westbrook and stuff. Like you're thinking, right. yeah. Exactly. It's still in the mix, but you know you go backwards. Um, that's that 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 is what this reminds me of. What we've seen so far from the Lakers, um, and what we're seeing from LeBron. So look, if he does want to stay in contention, he will leave the Lakers. That's what I'll say, uh, and he will leave as soon as possible. I don't think it's possible for him to compete for a title in LA, um, barring them being able to trade Anthony Davis for. A better player and even then right now they don't have the players around those they don't have the players around him in ad to compete for a title so i don't really know unless, unless you're getting kevin durant like i don't know who the other player is that that, you, that you're gonna acquire that is gonna all of a sudden make you a championship contender if Anthony I, Davis. I assume i assume you don't think damian lillard makes them a championship contender uh i don't Le- i don't lebron and dame yeah i don't i mean i don't think it's a slam dunk i mean contender you know, I mean, whenever you have LeBron and Damian Lillard, I mean, you know, it, that's that's definitely a nice pairing. But yeah. why am I supposed to believe that that would be that much better than what LeBron and AD have been? I mean, the yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, maybe you oh. think maybe a slightly better offensive potential, but your defensive potential right. plum, plummets. Um, now, also, there's a thing of well, AD's got to be on the court, which is an issue for him. Though Dame has had his share of injuries this year. Right. To me. LeBron, I thought this past weekend was in super narrative mode. Yeah, you see him go into this mode when things aren't going well for his team. We hear him talking about uh, Sam Presti doing a great job over there in Oklahoma City, which was kind of just random. <laughs> it's like okay, yeah, uh, you know they're one of the worst teams in the league. They have some good young players, but okay, you know whatever. By the way, Sam Presti was smarter to you know. Get Russell Westbrook the hell out of there, and LeBron was like, "No, no, we, we this is the kind of guy we need." So I don't, maybe, maybe that's why he's saying he was smart. He didn't say that, but maybe he was like, "Oh man, that, that Presti, he, he he was uh he had he was out he had the what's the term the carp for the barn situation." I don't know which how that euphemism goes, but he he was he was on the point with that one. But yeah, uh, yeah, Presti is great, and um, I'm gonna play with Bronny at the end of my career, and uh, you know, I I I, I let's need let's need my kind of guy. Leslie's my kind of guy. Uh, I, I am. Oh, yeah. I said I was the greatest of all time because, you know, remember, I came back from 3-1 against the Warriors all those years ago. I felt like I feel like I feel like this weekend was a lot for LeBron. I think emotionally because, you know, it's it's all-star game in Cleveland. Cleveland is in a much better position build a championship roster right now than the Lakers are, which is, I can't believe I even said those words just now, but it's true. Cleveland has assets to get, if they needed to, trade for superstar tomorrow. And the guys they got right now are pretty good. They might have superstars on the roster, at the very least with Evan Mobley. Yeah. So, Cleveland's in the best position than the Lakers are currently. And it's NBA 75 and, you know, 
He's got to be. He's amongst the pantheon pantheon of the greats. He's playing in this All Star game, you know, uh, with other players who are competing for championships. Who are in, teams are in much better positions than the Lakers are in, and people look at what's going on with the Lakers. And I feel like for him, when it, when this happens, you know. I don't. I'm not, I don't say this to take a shot at LeBron at all. Every person in in the world has insecurities. I think we saw a little bit of his, a little bit of his insecurities this weekend with all. He was just seemed like he was just trying to make headlines every day. Remember me coming back three one. That's why I'm the greatest of all time. I'm gonna play with Bronny. Uh, you know that. You know again that that uh that that guy in Oklahoma City is doing a good job. He just seemed when he seemed to just be in this narrative situation. And it's funny you mentioned about how the Lakers' run has ended because someone had made a good point. It might have been Damon Amendolora from CBS Sports Radio. Shout out to him. But if you look at LeBron's last two, last three stops, whether it be this Lakers team, the previous Cavs run, and the Heat, by year four, in each of those instances, it was over. Miami, year four, they get annihilated by the Spurs. LeBron's on that tarmac talking to D Wade in the night in the eve of free agency, saying his goodbyes. <laughs> Damn, I'm, I'm going to Cleveland. You know, Cleveland at the end of year four. You know, LeBron uh, shows up to the to the press conference with the hand wrap, saying he played with a broken hand <laughs> after getting swept by the Warriors, and it's clear that it was over. Here we are, year four here. Now it's much worse than those situations. At least he was in the finals in those situations. But here, this doesn't look like this is going to end well this season for sure. I think that there's a a a I think there's a, a a better than maybe most people think chance that LeBron is not on the Lakers, and this idea that they're putting out stuff already that a war is brewing between LeBron and the Lakers, I think is very plausible. I saw I saw another headline this week that LeBron apparently, according to this one other source in their assessment of the Lakers situation. He has more power with the Lakers today, in terms yeah, of how they Kobe. let him move, how his influence is with the team, than Kobe Bean Bryant. We are recording this podcast on 224, of course, RIP to Kobe and Gianna Bryant. Like, when I heard, I, that was stunning when I saw that headline. And, and I don't normally get stunned by things regarding LeBron's power broker abilities or reach. But I just think about like how like how like abrasive Kobe was about like the Lakers and building a team franchise, and, and I'm thinking, wow, LeBron, I think has more power. But I mean, the yeah, team yeah, apparently the team had a deal with another team; they had a trade in place with another team, and LeBron said, "No, get this other guy who makes forty four million dollars next year." So it's I, I mean, when I think about it, I'm like, well, I've never saw Kobe do that. Well, I, Kobe seems to kind of be think... at the pre- he's kind of be a prisoner of what the Lakers did, which is why he was frustrated a lot of the time. I, you know, I think that this is one. That's I think that's one of those situations where it sounds crazy on face value, but, but I think we've always always known that because Kobe just that's just the way LeBron operates. He doesn't go anywhere right. unless he's got power. That's true. Like for years, he's been playing on. When he went back to Cleveland, he's playing on one year deals basically his entire career. Like. You know, when he signed with the Lakers, he did sign long term, but there was also this carrot being dangled around in Anthony Davis. 
that the Lakers had to play ball with. And the clutch sports influence when you're, it's not only it's not only you, but it's also the other best player on the team. That I think is what makes LeBron more powerful than Kobe ever was in that organization. Um, which is again, it's 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 crazy to think about because he hasn't done nearly as much as Kobe did uh, um, for that franchise. But it, to me, it 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 does make sense, and it's it's why I think the 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 John Wall thing. I think the John Wall thing is a real thing that they that LeBron was not happy about. Uh, he clutch force is denying it. Um, obviously because it didn't happen. <laughs> right. And now they've got Russell Westbrook on the team. Uh, and, and he's still there, but I, I think they, I think they did want John wall. Um, obviously he's a clutch sports guy. Uh, but it would have met the Lakers surrendering another first round pick in theory. Didn't make any sense. Why nope. would we trade another? Didn't, first make, round didn't pick make any sense at all for a team that has no chance of winning a championship. Yep. We're giving up another first round pick for a player that we don't even know is better. He hasn't played all teams. We have no idea if he's even better. Last time we saw him play, he wasn't better than the guy that we're trading. Yes. But we're supposed to assume that he's better than him now. Maybe he is. And and like and like even his functionality and even his functionality as a player. Because the whole thing about Russ is even if you do think he's good, the problem is like there's this fit problem that's obvious. Like John Wall's functionality as a fit with the Lakers is identical to Russell Westbrook. I think it's better than Westbrook because it can't be worse because he's a better shooter. But we I mean, say he's a better shooter, but like, how but we much haven't better? Seen him play in a year, so I don't know. Yeah, and I haven't seen him shoot the ball in a year, but so I don't, I don't know. But can't be any worse than Russell Westbrook. So I the trade on, on face value, you have to make it if you're trying to compete. Well, yeah, as long as I'm not giving up future assets, yes, but I that's agree. The thing. Like you the Lakers aren't something. trying to compete. You know, like they're not. They're out of it. They can't. They, you know, yeah, they can be. They can make a dumb trade and try and try and make the team better. And that's where LeBron. Is, there's that's where the disconnect is because LeBron, again, he's like less need. You know, wait, that pick in 2028, I'm, I'm gonna be playing with Bronny, yeah. or I'm gonna be retired at that point. Yeah, me, I'm not me gonna be, I don't care yeah, what that. I don't care about Bron- this pick. Me and Bronny gonna be lighting up with the Shanghai Sharks by then. <laughs> what the hell is going on with this? So, so he he's not worried about that draft pick, and we've seen LeBron move like this for years. That that uh, I mean, when when Cleveland didn't trade that Colin Sexton pick, we know LeBron wanted to. We know LeBron wanted that that pick traded, yeah, to improve his chances. But they knew he was gone, so they're like, "Why would we trade this pick?" And it makes you wonder if the Lakers feel like LeBron is going to be there because yeah. yeah. If if the last time we saw a team, quote unquote, defy LeBron, he left. But it was good. I mean, we knew they they knew that he was going to leave anyway. So like, why would we, why would we listen to this guy? Yeah, <laughs> you know. Usually, I mean, usually, usually after four years, the run is over. Sometimes it's more abrupt than others. But what is LeBron's? This face is, clear, is clear. It's over. I was going to ask the same question. I mean, face at face value. This all season, I, I mean, I think it's still pretty high. I think that he's, I mean, he's a, I mean, a part, a part of me would just want to see it out of curiosity as a basketball fan because the problem is, doesn't he, he have a no trade clause? It wasn't that because remember, I mean, it was being talked about when he first got to LA and things were looking shaky. Should they trade LeBron now? And it was like, oh, he has a no trade clause. So 
doesn't um, really matter. I see here that his contract does not include a no trade clause. Interesting. Yeah, everything I've seen here says that it does not. Interesting. It seems like it might have misinformation that he did, but a lot of I see now a lot of articles clarifying that this does not have a no trade clause. So, and this was as early as yes, a couple of days ago, uh, by front office sports. So now, of course, he's unrestricted free agent in twenty twenty three. I don't know if that really matters to the team that's gonna that that would rent him. Like I don't, I don't think that matters. Like they they may feel like no, I don't care if it's one year. Like I'll take my chances. I my answer to your question, the original one is I think I would assume it'd be very high. Because he, one hundred percent, would make a massive difference in like the title picture, if like contenders started bidding for him. Like he would, he would make a massive difference. He got traded to Cleveland tomorrow. Cleveland's right in the mix for a team that can win a title. Yeah, he got traded to Miami, and Miami's already in the mix. But you know, Miami may be tilted towards being maybe a favorite. Of course, those are the two teams he's been with, so we think that he may be comfortable there. You know. With LeBron, I've seen, seen people. I've seen people said, "What if he wanted to go to the Clippers?" I, I can't imagine the Lakers trading LeBron to the Clippers. But I mean, him and Kawhi. I mean, you can't ignore that. That would be a formidable team. And, and it's funny. The one thing I've seen, and I, I, I did think about this myself, because we saw Philly kind of withhold several of their assets in that James Harden trade. Is and we know LeBron when he was thinking about going to the Lakers, the only pseudo team that was kind of also in the mix was the Sixers. Uh, I just there, don't think is there I, a big I, three forming there. I think Clutch is, is not doing business with them like that at this stage. That would make sense. Yes, they still. I mean, Tyrese Maxey's Clutch, and he's still there. Tyrese Maxey is still Clutch, but yeah, there's there's clearly a lot of black, bad blood there now. <laughs> there's a lot of lawsuits going on. I don't, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, it is. Now Even, that. Now, I do wonder if LeBron, like LeBron put aside his differences to go back to Cleveland. Like he, he made it very clear that, look, I don't really rock with Dan Gilbert anymore, but right. you know, there's a larger cause here. Mostly, no, that's not, I was going to say something. It wasn't mostly him. He wanted to do a lot of stuff in this community, and he did. So uh, props to him for that. But he's, there's a larger cause that's going to make me come back here. Of course, you know, Kevin Durant, I mean, Kevin, Kevin Love in tow and Kyrie on the roster probably also made it very easy to make that decision so yeah i, I you know but but I, I think that to answer your question though, i think that he's he's very much in play you know i think denver would absolutely be like yeah let's 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 make this happen like i he, i think he would be a big trade piece and i think that it would be a a big price to pay for whoever do it but i think teams would absolutely line up 100 percent um let's switch to college basketball kendall Michigan coach Juwan Howard is suspended for the rest of the regular season after an altercation with Wisconsin coach Greg Gard following their uh, loss to the Badgers last Sunday. Howard and Gard got into it at the guard, grabbed Howard as he tried to blow past him with a handshake line. Howard, who was upset, Gard had called a late timeout while his team was down double digits, angrily told Gard not to touch him as the two men argued on that handshake line. Gard claims he was trying to explain to Howard that he called the timeout to help his walk-ons who had been on the t- on on the court for the garbage time uh, break a press that Michigan was was putting on at that point in time. Amidst tensions, Howard connected with an open-hand swipe on an assistant coach of Wisconsin, slapping him in the face. Howard, who at first showed no remorse for the incident, has since apologized profusely in a statement 
for his actions following the suspension, which is five games. Uh, he's already served one of those games. Michigan did win, despite him not being there for the Rutgers game at home this week. Guard was fined $10,000 by the Big Ten Conference, but was not suspended. Uh, some players from both Michigan and Wisconsin were hit with one and two game suspensions for throwing punches in the melee. Uh, Kendall, of course, the incident has raised questions about Howard's future at Michigan and the handshake line in college basketball also in terms of whether or not that should continue. Pastor Ewing said that the ritual should be abolished. I 100% agree that we need to end the handshake line. And I also, second time this week, I have learned that I am in a on a little bit of an island on this take. Apparently, no way ever I think that it's ridiculous to take this moment in time and say, let's end you know this sportsmanship ritual that we do. I I think the I think the handshake the the pro handshake line. You think it's louder? What do you mean? Oh no, no sorry, I shouldn't cut you off. I think you said they louder than I say they louder than my contingent of people saying get rid of it. I don't know. No, no, no yeah, I was gonna say I was just gonna say the the yeah the pro handshake line people. It, to me, it's very. It's a little look. I think that there is. Obviously, yes, there are nice principles being taught. I think handshake lines should be because I agree with you. I think that they should be a part of high school sports. Yes, uh, I'm. I'm. Yes, I totally agree. I think that there. I think there is a difference between collegiate sports, yeah, especially at this level, than there is with high school sports. But I, but I think that the the pro handshake line thing. So obviously, there's value to it, but I feel like it's a little cavemanny, where I think that. There's no reason, like there's, it, I don't know what the function is. Like, why are we even doing this? Like, I, it, like, it feels like we're stuck in in, <laughs> in caveman times. Like, it may have had a function fifty years ago or ninety years ago when they decided to do it, but yeah, I, I at guess this point sh- in time, I hate to shoot them bail because I'm so against it. But the argument I've heard as of today is, these are college kids. You're trying to instill values of sportsmanship. And uh, camaraderie that are important for not just this sport you're playing, but for life as a whole. And I, I have no problem with that. My thing is, what is, what is the, what is getting rid of the handshake line? Like, to me, I feel like, like for example, I saw um, a player that used to play for Penn State. Don't remember, don't remember his name. Basketball. Uh, he talked about how. You know, there was a moment there. There was a picture of him hugging a guy from like Michigan State or something like that, saying, "You know, uh, you know, this is why we can't get rid of the handshake line." You know, I I remember having a war with this guy and being, you know, having the opportunity to tell him how good he was, and I wouldn't have had this opportunity without the handshake line. My thing is, why not? There, there is no, there, there is, there, there's nothing stopping you from going up to the guy after the game. I. I feel if you get rid of the handshake line, that doesn't mean teams are just going to immediately walk off. Yeah, let me let me, in the let me, NBA yeah. all the time. Guys don't – there is no handshake line in the NBA, but nine times out of ten, 85% of the team is the teams are going to intermingle as they're walking off, give, give everybody a handshake. You may have the one or two guys that do the walk-off, and we look at that guy and be like, all right, that guy's a sore loser. It's a shame. James Harden played two years at Arizona State, did the handshake line thing, and he he doesn't shake people's hands after this game. Yeah, so what did he, what did he learn? Yeah, clearly he didn't teach me. You know, so I you know like it's it's to me it doesn't it doesn't it it, it only only bad things can happen. <laughs> you know, like right. yes, there are good things that can happen, but bad things don't happen if you get rid of the handshake line. That Juwan Howard incident 
wouldn't happen if you get rid of the handshake one. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I agree that you know I think the word you used man uh, uh, was there caveman ish, which I think is a yeah. term. I, I think the word I would use is archaic. Exactly, is, is a very archaic way of thinking because, as you noted, we watch uh, I don't know, at the very least dozens of NBA games in a regular season, but maybe even hundreds. You and I, oh yeah, combined, yeah, combined probably hundreds and for sure, and. After every single NBA game, there are pleasantries that are shared after the game. And even though there is no handshake line, it's not a thing in the NBA. Why that can't happen without this, like, obligated, required thing to do for some people who just may not be in the mood to do it at that point in time, given the frustration, given the emotions of the game. I don't know why that's – I don't know why it's okay for the NBA – and we can't instill it in college. Uh, why? Why college don't I in college? In, in, in college, in the NFL, there is no handshake line. College football. Guys, and I, know go. I was gonna get. Yeah, I was gonna get there. Like, and there's no handshake line. But guys go, they big up each other. Every now and then there'll be an incident. Every now and then, like you know, uh, Jim Schwartz and Harbaugh, or you know. But m- most of the time, like, it's very rare we ever see like players like really get into it. It's been a couple of times. I like, didn't uh, uh, Trent Williams punch uh, Richard Sherman <laughs> like 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 uh. Uh, yeah, and uh, you remember Josh Norman and Taylor Lewan? Was that one? Yeah, yeah, that was one as well. So every now, every now and then, there's stuff, but most most of the time, it's, it's pretty harmless. Uh, college football, they don't make those guys say, "Oh, line up and shake hands." That's not a thing. They do it in high school. Yeah, high school least, they do that. High school that, that I that I work for. Right. Yeah. I mean, now it's fair. They didn't do that in my high school, but in right. other high schools, I know that they do do that. But in high school football, yeah, they, these guys. They'll go across. They go across the field, lined up, and again, I, I have no issue. Oh, actually, no, you're right. In my high school, they did do that. Now I'm, I'm like running back yeah. to my old school high school football days. But no, yeah, they did that. Yeah, absolutely, they did that. You're right. Yeah, you know. It's, yeah, it's, so again, I think it makes sense. But in college with football, it's like there's too many guys. What's the what's the point? <laughs> you know. Yeah. And what are you, again? What are we teaching them? Like yeah, I, and like is and like oh, is this like oh, we we're seeing more darker incidents in college football than we do in college basketball of unsportsmanship because we don't have a they don't have a they don't they have a they don't have a handshake line and college basketball does that's not true at all it's nonsense yeah i'm like i don't <laughs> there's no there's no correlative like you could literally see okay let's look at college football doesn't have a handshake line but do we see bad unsportsmanship after the games and our guys you know playing dirty or things like that because there's not a handshake line no it's just, normal games like go on it's not any different than college basketball so, like you said, the benefit to me outweighs the potential risks, and the risks are catastrophic. Yeah. Like that was why I didn't have an issue with Juwan being suspended, really at all. Uh, I, I, maybe I wouldn't done the whole season only because I think there was some instigation from guard, but I don't have a problem with it because, like, dude, like you can't, you you, you like you can't act <laughs> you can't that be way. The head coach, you can't be a head brawl. coach. Yeah, you can't be a head coach and start a brawl. Like that puts your whole kid your whole team all those kids you're talking about trying to protect trying to teach them good values that puts them at risk that all takes ha- one of those wisconsin guys to be within their right to throw a throw a mean punch at a guy yeah. and knock him out or like i said like i told you off air like that 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 thing kind of spilled into the first row yeah it's very dangerous and they're f- now luckily that section because they're behind the michigan bench there were a lot of michigan fans yeah. I mean, if that if that beef happened closer to the wisconsin bench 
I, I think that that would have been way worse than it actually was. And it's funny you mentioned And that it only because, happens because of this thing. And I was going to mention one thing about the handshake line as well as you don't also don't see they, 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 we there there is a there is demonstrated examples of of many times throughout the history of college basketball, but particularly in the last 15, 20 years, as long as I've been watching, where guys don't shake hands because fans storm the court, and right. it's never an issue. Right. There are times where I look at it, I'm like, well, that's kind of messed up. These guys are cheering with the fans and not shaking the other team's hand. hand. Right. Who just but, had a crushing loss, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. It's a tough loss, and these guys, yeah. you know, they're well, they, stu- they, stu- they stu- stu- the stu- stunning on, on the swing. Yeah, they're stunning on the scorer's table, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, I'm like, all yeah, right. Where, where's the sportsmanship there? If, if yeah, any time there's a great sportsmanship, said, that's the moment in time. Yeah, no one has ever said, you know, these guys are these guys are, 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 are a threat to the game. And, and again, the threat to sportsmanship everywhere. Like, <laughs> it, it, no one cares at all. It happens all the time. It's happened 20 times a season. You know, I feel like every week, some some team that, that, that was a blue blood is now storming the court. And... The guys don't. The guy, there's no handshake line. And no one's, no one's, no one's got into any fights. There's been no suspensions. There's been no nothing. It's it's, it's not a big deal. And, I have, and, and I have, yeah, go ahead. Speaking on the Wisconsin thing that you mentioned is, Juwan Howard is lucky that Wisconsin fans didn't storm the court. They right. very, they very well could have. I mean, yeah, as crazy was, as it sounds, given Michigan hasn't been well and, and Wisconsin is, that didn't stop UConn from <laughs> being UConn storming the court against Villanova. Yeah, like. They easily could have just decided, yeah, we beat Michigan, who's a big time brand in our conference. We're gonna run on the court, yep. and that would have been very ugly. If, right? If, yeah. If, if somehow they tried to be thrown. Yeah, absolutely. And you had students on the court who, had, who may have been inebriated, particularly at Wisconsin. <laughs> you know that <laughs> that's not a not a good not a good recipe for uh for 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 disaster. And one final thought on this thought, and me and you very much on the same page on this one, unlike our Zion conversation. We talk about, oh, we got to teach great sportsmanship and we got to, you know, teach honor and integrity. Well, that is also kind of not happening sometimes on the handshake yeah. line. Because yeah. how many how many times we see you guys, you know, blow each other off like, like Juwan was trying to do. Like Juwan yeah. wasn't showing good sportsmanship. When he tried, what he tried to do, which was to like not really give him a handshake and like just brush him off. Yeah, not look in the off. eye. How many times we see, you know, like you know, coaches exchange words on the handshake line that clearly aren't good, but then they keep going. There's like that, like a melee doesn't normally happen. But this idea that oh, there's no ever beef on the handshake line is nonsense. And yeah, nah. one of the instances that comes up to my head when terms of are we teaching great morals and great integrity is and, and that oh, going and saying you know a good game and showing that think shows a level of respect well, what about when coach k after a loss to oregon with dylan brooks he's stunting on them just like all those duke guys do whenever they blowing other teams out but he's stunting on them he's throwing up three signs after as they're routing duke in the ncaa tournament and dylan brooks did the right thing he wants to go on the handshake line shake the hands of the other team say good game regardless of what happened on the court show good sportsmanship and you got the Absolute authority of college basketball, Coach Mike Shashevsky, using that moment in time to start beef with a kid. Talk yeah. about yo, you don't gotta be doing all that stunting, man. Like, don't I don't want to see that. I, you you too good. I don't want to see that. 
and then lying about it. Yeah. Coach K didn't seem to learn much integrity from doing handshake lines for 50 years. Because in his 45th year of doing handshake lines, he started beef and then lying to the media about starting beef. So miss me with this holier-than-thou thought about the handshake line having to stay in place because of some standard that's not being met. It's like a lie. Yeah. It's a complete farce. My, my favorite thing about the handshake line is when you see when you see players that played together in AAU, played from the same city, from the same high school, played in the same AAU program, or maybe were recruited by the opposing coach or the opposing assistant coach, and there's a there's a different handshake or there's a different hug and a respect. You can tell. Sometimes I have no idea. Sometimes I don't even make the connections until I see him. I'm like, oh, clearly that guy recruited this guy because he wouldn't. Well, I was watching Wisconsin last night. They played at Minnesota. And Tyler Wall, who's a player on Wisconsin, he had, he had a very good game, big man. He's from Minnesota. And, you know, there's an assistant on Minnesota who, like, basically gives him a hug. You know, it's like, you know, busting his chops. And, like, you know, again, I, did, I, did, I forgot he's from Minnesota. Mm-hmm. But, like, then seeing that, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, it makes sense. This guy probably recruited him. But, like, those things are, those things are, are great. But those things don't go anywhere. If if you get rid of the handshake line, like there's right. no reason to believe yeah, that they would have walked off and left and been like, you know, giving the middle finger, right. <laughs> you know, you know, because they lost the game. Like, I, mean, Kendall, I played I played high school basketball, and if there was a homie from the other team, and there were plenty of times I had guys on the other team that I played with AAU or just knew them from around the way or whatever. Like, of course, after the game, regard if there was no handshake line, of course I would have ran. Like, yo, man, like, what's up? Yeah, like that's that's like. Or, or you see, nature. yeah, or you see like you'll watch a game, and again, you may not know any of the connections or whatever. Or you'll see that you'll see the two best players on the two teams like give a a different kind of embrace than they give everybody else. And you watch, and you're like, again, clearly those guys probably would have given an embrace after the game anyway. Just had a lot of show of respect. You know, we had a great battle, but the rest of these embraces are mindless. Like they're not even thinking about it. They're just walking through. Yeah. Good game. Good game. Good game. Good game. Oh, what's up, man? You know, great game. Great right, game. Yeah. And then you keep going. All right. Good game, good game, good game. Like it's, it's a mindless thing anyway. So again, it's so archaic. It's so past its prime. It doesn't really need to be a thing. I'm not saying I don't condone sportsmanship. sportsmanship right. Not saying I don't condone handshakes after the game or, Pleasure. I'm not one of those guys that's like I don't like all these guys so buddy buddy in today's day and age. Like that's not the that's not the right. case I'm making. I'm just saying that a mandatory handshake line in today's in today's game of college basketball is there. You don't see it on any and, and on almost any other level. Like you don't. I don't even think they do it in college baseball. I could be wrong, but like I, what other sport do they do mandatory handshake? <laughs> I mean yeah, wrestling. I, I know wrestling they do handshakes, but like yeah, I, again, it, it doesn't make sense to me. And again, when you have you know college football doesn't do this, and again we don't look at it and say, oh, these college football kids are not being taught good values. And look, that's what we don't have. And get in the history of college football, we basically have one incident in the history of college football where there was an issue in the post game <laughs> non handshake line. You know, Legarrette Blunt knocking out a dude from boys yeah. like fifteen years ago, whatever long it was, uh, like. That's like the only thing that's ever happened in college football because there's not a handshake line. 
college basketball, I can name. There are plenty of times where there's been these very awkward, very tense situations because they, these people are obligated to talk to each other after bludgeoning each other for forty minutes. Doesn't yeah, I mean, I was watching New Mexico playing Wyoming a couple of weeks ago, and last week I think it was, and they beat them. New Mexico upset Wyoming at uh, at the pit in New Mexico. It's a tough environment to play, and you know. New Mexico's best player, Jalen House, who's Eddie House's son, he had must have forty points or thirty something points on on Wyoming, and he was stunting on him the whole second half. After every shot he hit, he was doing some sort of dance or doing some sort of you know some sort of you know thing to, to get the crowd hyped. And the last fifteen seconds of the game, there was a little dust up. Eventually, those guys in Wyoming once they realized they were going to lose, they were they were trying to scrap with Jalen House. Yeah. And, you know, they had to be separated. I'm watching this game being like, man, this handshake line. I didn't see it because they don't really show it. But I'm like, this handshake line is going to be awkward. Yeah. You know? And I, I shouldn't have to feel like, man, this could be a dangerous situation. These guys just had a fight. And now you're going to put them – you're going to put them yeah. face-to-face? And it's funny because, like, whenever – like, I don't know if you remember that, like, uh, that fight between Xavier and Cincinnati. Cincinnati, yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure they didn't do a handshake line after that brawl. And it's like, wait a minute. Like if you're telling me, oh, handshake lines are all about you know putting what happened make on the court guys behind, get on behind you, then why didn't we make them get in line after they were throwing hands ten minutes earlier? Yeah. Because that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> we don't do that because like oh logically these guys are very heated. Maybe we should let cool heads prevail and just let them go their separate ways. Why does that have to happen if they're only because there's a brawl? Like, I, you know, it, 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 the the logic behind it. Now they do none. it in Olympic basketball, and I do think that it's kind of. Kind of interesting. I feel like it's a part of me feel like it's a little different. I think it's different because like, you're representing a country. Like they're, yeah, you're representing uh, your country. You're facing like, off against another country. Yeah, that Olympics. Is supposed to be, you know, it's it's competition, but it's not supposed to go beyond that. Olympic so, sport, Olympic sports are in there in place. It was supposed to promote international cooperation. Right. So there's a much larger, there's a much larger goal. Uh, Goal in mind, yes, best. I guess I couldn't think of it. There's a much larger goal at times, a much larger task at hand in terms of why we're even having right. Olympics. Like I know maybe now we're thinking, oh, it's just money and stars, but like originally that's <laughs> what it was about. It was right. it's, it's about you know promoting international cooperation and 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 through through sport because sport is supposed to be transcend is supposed to transcend all you know disagreements, all things like that. And that's a different conversation. This. College sports yeah. where people are making millions of dollars off kids. Uh, when I'm not going to talk about, oh, this is the time where we need to be sanctimonious about honor. I mean, miss me. Miss me completely with that. Uh, let's wrap the show real quick. Uh, we're running out of time here, but MLB lockout still in effect. I misspoke earlier. I said that Friday is the last day, but uh, next Monday is the, the cutoff date for the players and the MLB. Of course, this is a MLB Putting this is MLB's deadline. It's not like the base players agree to this deadline, but MLB's placed a deadline on Monday that if there's not a deal in place, that there will be missed games this upcoming season, which is very alarming because it, from by all accounts, these sides are very far apart on several financial issues that will make one believe that getting a deal done by Monday would be maybe a bit miraculous. Now, usually when these things get to this kind of nitty-gritty time and they know missing games on the table, 
that's usually maybe cool heads prevail and deals get done. But we haven't had cool heads at any point, really, during this uh, conversation. And that's been a problem. You know, the, 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 they, they have been talking much more consistently of late, which is better. But a lot of the proposals that are being shifted back and forth, they're only very minor concessions. And I asked this question to you, Kendall. Well, I don't, no, I'm not going to ask a question. It's a statement. And I hate to even quote Kanye West because I don't really mess with Kanye West in this time, uh, at this present time, or really for the last, I don't know, eight years. But as Kanye West made the famous quote about George Bush and black folks, Major League Baseball doesn't care about the future of baseball is my take on this situation. Because they seem to have a lack of understanding or care for the position baseball as a sport is in American pop culture and as a foundational element to American life. Because baseball is in a bad spot right now. NFL super high popularity obviously has taken over as America's pastime. The NBA is in a little bit of a muddy period. I think that, you know, we, we they were I think the peak we have seen, the recent peak was maybe four or five years ago. I think some of the player movement has left the NBA in a little bit of flux, but still very right. popular. It's international popularity is still very high. You know, they have they have to they have some issues with the, you know, the watchability of regular season games and uh, and like I said, some of the player movement I think has hurt it a little bit, but still much higher than baseball in terms of engagement and, and fan excitement and money. And that was not the case, you know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago at all. Baseball was you know, still king probably 40 years ago. And as me and I both grew up in uh, a sports house, but a, sp- a house that was basketball first, but baseball was absolutely among the top three sports. It was an equal in terms of just our engagement, yes. our excitement for the sport. And slowly but surely, we're seeing a lot of other kids in our generation or you know, people in our, of our generation or kids younger than us that are growing up where baseball is just not in that picture. And for these sides, both sides, to not understand what's at stake, to have this fight today tells me that Major League Baseball doesn't really care about the future of the game. They only seem to care about maximizing their bottom line in the best way possible. Now, they got they got crushed for years by the players union in negotiations. You know, Donald Fear was just like they literally feared him. That's why it was a fitting name. He was a player exec for a long time and he got great deals for the players, but you know, post steroid era, players had a lot less uh leverage and of course Fear is not there. I don't I don't know. I, 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 don't, I hope he's still alive. I don't know if he's alive yet, but um, still, but nonetheless, players have lost a lot of money. They've given a lot of money back, you know, over the course of these years. And it seems like they're trying to get some of this money back. They're trying to look out for some of these younger players, you know, pre-arbitration guys, guys in the minor leagues. But these owners aren't budging. And the fact that they're not budging over what to me are pennies to them tells me what really matters to them is not the health of the sport and i think it just to me shows that we're, we're in a situation where baseball is on life support as far as i'm concerned as being a, a, a important fabric of american sports 
I think it's going to be one of those things that maybe people go to for a good time every now and then. But if they miss games for the first time since the, the, the strike in 94, I don't know what post, post-lockout baseball looks like in terms of where it is in American in American fabric. But this is a this is this is terrible that we got to this point. And the fact that they wanted to play play ball in this ridiculous way. It just speaks to why we got here in the first place. And it's just very sad to me. Yeah. Yeah, no, this is not a good situation. Um you know, I'm curious like what does that look like? First of all, what does a lockout look like in terms of how far they're willing to go with it? Because well, if you told me, yeah, we're going to miss games past Monday, but, you know, if a deal gets signed, you know, <laughs> the Monday after, you know, then I guess that won't really disrupt things too too much. But are they willing to say if, they, if we don't get a deal by Monday, then we ain't get a deal for for, for another month that, or two? Like, that's the impression with the I would NBA, have. that's what we saw. Yeah, that's yeah, the impression I would have is if if you're not gonna do the deal on Monday, then you're, yeah, you've yeah. already why if you're willing to give up eight, like what's stopping you from giving up twenty half the season, yeah, full forty, yeah, like like, it, like you know I don't I don't see how because you you know the, the proposal you put out is oh what if they did a deal next course okay well I guess you lose eight games but it's like then why didn't you do the deal the week before yeah yeah. yeah. It, yeah, exactly. if you're willing to go that far, then you're like, "Yo, we're 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 at the point of no return. We're standing our ground yeah. on this." And I think the, yeah. the players, I, I I get I get almost all their their issues. I, I I tend to side with a lot of them on most of their issues. But I think the I don't, public, I don't think they, I don't think they understand what who they're dealing with. They're dealing with people who don't care about the health of the sport. Right. I I, I what what's what's I think it's what's funny is that I think the 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 casual sports fan isn't going to side with the players as likely in this scenario. Like they would in the NFL, given the, the, the dangers of the sport and the, you know, some of the contracts being a little shaky. But I think in baseball, because these guys get paid so much at the top end of the sport, that's where I think, I think, I think a lot of the, the general public may look at that and be like, what? These guys, these guys want more money. And I know what, that, I know what I think also hurts us too. And, and it's funny because baseball's so skewed because you have guys making all this money, right? And, and these, everyone else is getting pennies, pennies, and they, they, you have guys that are in the major leagues that have to wait like five yeah. years before they make more than a million dollars. Like it's crazy. Some of the way yeah. the, the league works, but I think that's actually some of the minutia of like how contracts work with players and the lack of awareness to like what minor leaguers make. Like I think that is a large part of why. You make the point that maybe people are far less willing to side with the players in this. I don't think people really understand a lot of this. I, yep. I'm, I'm a baseball super fan, and yeah. I don't really understand so much all of the pre-arbitration, post-arbitration, or you know, you know what this means when you're a minor leaguer and the, you know, the the service year, service time, like, like yeah. it's, it's a lot. It's not. It's, it's complicated. If you're a, a novice playing, uh, you can play this show. Yeah, I'm like, uh, is, where's this guy a free agent? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I don't know any of this is. When do I gotta pay this? When do I gotta pay Jacob Degrom three hundred million dollars? <laughs> like, can I just know that? Like, why is it so difficult? Why am I arbitration eligible? This year yeah. you're gonna give him one year eighteen million. And I'm just like, I, I just don't want ever lose Jacob Degrom. Can, is that yeah. so hard? <laughs> 
And, but it's it's complicated. It's not if you're again if you're a novice, you won't you won't get it. It's nothing like basketball. It's nothing like the NFL. It's nothing like any other major American sport. And this is the kind of stuff that they're fighting over. It's oh the minor players that get put into the arbitration pool should be more, and the money in the arbitration pool should be more, and the percentage of people eligible should be more. And it's just like I'll, again, I think there are a lot of really like smart baseball fans that don't know anything about that. They don't know how it works. They don't understand what that means. So when you talk about the maybe the, the lack of you know uh, willingness from a lot of fans to really side with the players and say, hey, like owners get your act together uh because of this stuff is gonna hurt and i also think what hurts the whole everybody as a whole is baseball's issues to the fans have zero to do with any of this stuff like i think fans want to see minor leagues get paid that's the one where i think that will help because that like people anybody who knows anything about that it's nasty like these guys make like less than minimum wage in america like kind of money it's ridiculous but like, outside of that, I think a lot of stuff nobody knows or cares about any of this. And that sucks because the reason why baseball is in the position it's in is because of stuff, like, with the game. Speed of the game. The shift. Uh, Potential cheating. Cheating. Like, things that usually get ironed out in collective bargaining agreements aren't even being discussed. Yeah. It's about all of this, like, minutia that you have to be, like... Like a capologist, for lack of a better term, there's no salary cap. You know, there's Sally Floor is an issue too. Like the only things you gotta know a lot about, you gotta be an expert to really figure out what the beef is. And again, because me and you are, again, I can look at this and say, I, I the players, I agree with everything they want to do here, and the owners need to get on board. But they want to save all the money they can. But for the average fan who just you know watches the Mets every couple of weeks or goes to the, see a couple games at once a year, they don't know any of this. They they just say, yo, why is, the game, why is the game still six, why is the game still five hours? <laughs> no, <laughs> That's no one, what they worried about. They, they, they're arguing about a draft lottery, and, like, there's nobody. There's Kendall, you're, nobody. The only, you're the only person who watches the Major League Baseball draft. I, yeah, I literally, I mean, I literally <laughs> might be the only person who watches it annually. You watch it, and you're the only person that watches that draft annually. And this is one of the sticking points: is we need to have a lottery so we don't have and to tank, care less tanking every lottery. year. And 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 I am invested on. Yeah, you're invested in a lot in, in the draft. <laughs> and I've never that, once been like, man. But that shows a, you. That shows you how like dis, out disengaged, like, yeah. and out of touch that these group of people are. Players and and owners, but owners the the lion's share. Yeah. To like what people are are have issues with with the game, yeah. So that's why when I say my statement that Major League Baseball doesn't care about the health of baseball, because what they're arguing about, what they're willing to put on the table, which is missing games, missing maybe a lot of games. At this moment in time, when the health of the sport is at its lowest in a very long time, probably since that strike, to be honest. It's kind of dumbfounding, but it's not surprising because what we see from it. So, in, on the sports calendar, who benefits the most by like baseball starting late? Uh, March Madness is going to eat in a way that it never has before. Yeah, because March Madness, even though it, the season starts and it's still like the end of spring training, and then the first usually like 
the last weekend is like the the it's like the beginning of the baseball season, technically opening day. Right. Usually, yeah, it's yeah, like it's that same week of the final four. Yeah, I think I think that there are going to be there's going to even be more engagement because people there's going to be no baseball conversation. Yeah, like I, I mean, I think these conference tournament games are going to do a lot better. Like I think that people who like would be like, all right, I'm a baseball fan. I'm I'm I'm, a, I'm tuned into what's going on in spring training, but once the tournament starts, okay, I'll shift my attention there for a little bit and then go back to opening day. That's not going to happen now. Yeah, now it's going to be like, all right, I got nothing. I got you know half of the NBA tanking. <laughs> uh, no NFL. Yeah. Um, and all guys, very high intensity and bonkers college basketball game. And we see the college basketball games yesterday were crazy. You mentioned the UConn game, yes. Providence going to three overtimes. And we're at that moment. This is the time of the year where things, where game was great. Yes. These, this is, this is the time of the year where college basketball becomes can't miss. And now a section of people who are the lifers, the baseball lifers that say, I'll, I'll tune in when I really, really have to. Now they got no reason not to tune in now. Yeah. So I think college basketball is going to feast. NFL now until the until, NFL until, all until season Final Four. The combine NFL ratings leagues. are going to the combine ratings on next week are going to be through the yeah. roof because nobody's talking about baseball if they don't have a NFL, deal by then. These pro days and draft coverage is going to be. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think I think the I, NFL offseason. I think college and, baseball. I mean, yo, I'll be honest, man. Like, I, you know, Sports Center has been doing more college baseball coverage because they have highlights. And yeah, yeah. I've kind of been like into it. I kind of been like, oh yeah, <laughs> what? Is, like, it's baseball. It's kind of like, oh right, that's a sport that like should be going on right now. And you kind of forget. And I'm kind now. I'm kind of like investing. Okay, yeah, who is playing? Like, what? How are these teams starting? Because there's yeah. no. They're like usually. I'm like, I'd be just like obsessed with what's going on in mess spring training. Who could be the right. starter? Who's reporting? Play. Yeah, who's going to play? Who's going to be the three, no, three starting outfielder? It's like, I don't have, I have none of that right now. There's been very little hot stove. Like, you're lucky the Mets have made their moves. Right. Them. Thank God that Stephen Cohen is, is, is you know, worth $8 billion. And he, he just opened the checkbook. Yeah. The Yankees, yo, Yankee fans are tripping. And I, I, work yeah. in, I work in New York City. Work at, you know, WFAN, the fan. Shout out to the fan. Like, they like, yo, we done nothing. And we don't yeah, know yeah. if something's going to happen. We don't know what our team's gonna look like. We don't know. They don't know what their infield's gonna look like. They don't yeah. know who their first baseman is. They don't know who their shortstop is. Like, they, like they're a mess. <laughs> like it's incomplete, <laughs> and they don't know when the, the, the season's even gonna start. Teams can't yeah. right now. People who don't know, teams can't negotiate with free agents or negotiate with each other nope. during at any of this point. So, the teams that like were waiting for the big dogs to sign other plates, sign other plates, so that they, they can get the scraps. Or the teams that would just weren't really being aggressive, like th- those fans are just like I-, I don't like my team isn't even complete, so they're definitely disengaged. Or some of them again are panicking, like like the Yankee fans are right now. They're like, what what's gonna happen? I don't know. The Yankees don't know who their first baseman is, and it's February twenty fourth <laughs> as we yeah. record this podcast. Like that's that's it's 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 again it's crazy that. Baseball is allowing itself to be in this position. But as I will say for the third and final time, Major League Baseball doesn't care about the health of the sport. And these fans being disengaged and the fans being anxious doesn't matter more than them being able to stiff these minor leaders, to stiff these pre-arbitration players. <laughs> like, that just means more to them. And 
it's funny. I saw someone else say that because their TV deals are so great and people are still coming to the to the ballparks for the most part, that even though we know the, the health of the sport is terrible, because the owners' bottom lines haven't really changed that much, like maybe that's why they don't know. Like, you know, like right. they, they signed these massive TV deals and they're still getting people to come out of the gate. Because going to a baseball game, I think it will always be just like, a fun event. You don't have to be a baseball fan at all. I think you're more likely to do that if you're not a f- sports fan than do any other sport. Yes. Go to a baseball game. It's a summer activity. It's, it's like it's an out, it's like going it's to out. an amusement. Yeah. Particularly, I, I've worked in my I worked in right, minor league yeah. baseball. Is you know half the people there you can tell aren't actually baseball fans, but no, you know, but it's still they're still engaged. Yeah, it's an outdoor it's event. It's, you know, it's less it's super hot. It's very comfortable. Like it's you know, it's food. Like it's it's a fun atmosphere. So. Some some of their major revenue sources, they're not being hurt. So maybe they just don't know that, yo, your sport is on life support, fam. Because the, the checks keep cashing. It's, yep. it's tough, man. It's tough. As a Mets fan, I sit here with DeGrom and Scherzer at the top of my rotation. And look, I will say. I'm not rooting for any games we missed. I want to see these guys get on the field immediately. But DeGrom coming off their elbow injury, Scherzer being 37. They want to shorten this season. Let them boys sprint <laughs> through an 80-game year. I, 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 I would take those odds with the bets. <laughs> I'm not, I mean, I'm not we saw it play. during the COVID season, like – you know, let the Dodgers sprint through. They didn't have to go through could the that be a tri- recipe? Tri- they had that normal trial and tribulations we've seen them have. Yeah. Over yeah. Could we see that be a recipe a, a for like, for a different outcome? You know, for for some of these teams. You know that it, you may not be able because that's the thing about baseball is like typically the 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 best teams, you know, the best teams make the playoffs like. <laughs> Very rarely do you, you know, you'll have teams that maybe, are, you know, come out of the wild card and can go on a run, but um, it's 162 games. So very rarely will you see a team that wins, you know, 75 games. But yeah, but right. they're really probably the best team in the league. Yeah, like, like the Braves uh, last year were a bit of an anomaly, um, even though they're division yes. one, they didn't have a great record. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that like that, that'll be that'll be easier to 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 avoid. Um, the, the you know the 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 idea that the best team will always win it if like you said they shorten the they cut the season in half, um, you may see different teams make the playoffs. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a very good point. Yeah, I mean, look, Major League Baseball wants to allow Max Scherzer and Derek Degrom to get you know twelve starts before they have to pitch in the postseason and they get to be fresh and healthy can't say that i would be super against it but for the health of the sport it's just i wonder what the coverage looks like on mlb network it's a great question <laughs> i feel like since the hall of fame i haven't tuned in and i, I haven't of, yeah, neither have i maybe I, maybe that'll be my uh i'm off tomorrow maybe that'll be my uh my my homework project and i'll get back to you next week on what, what there's exactly, a little bit uh what exactly is going on with that you know state media um it, but it they is do the media, but it also, I mean, you know, and they had the issue with Ken Rosenthal, who, you know, was a yes, poorly was. ousted because he his beef with Big Rob Johnson. Manford. Yeah. Yeah. 
But but I think that of all the networks, I, I think that Naomi Network is held to the highest regard for their integrity, maybe before they ousted Ken Rosenthal. So I would be curious how this is going to work. I'll tell you what, I listened to Jason Stark the other day. The way he yeah. was talking, man, I I don't I don't feel good about this. And it doesn't I don't, sound like I, don't, I don't feel good about it. I, I feel like, you know, I'm hopeful, but like I said, we're dealing with people who don't understand what's what they're up against. I don't think the players understand they're up against people who don't care about the sport. And the fact that the owners don't care about the sport is highly problematic to us getting games on time. And it's uh, it's really sad. Really sad. That's going to do it for this edition of New Generation Sports Talk. A little bit of a longer version than we've done recently, but not that much longer than how we used to do our podcast. Um of course, if you enjoyed this episode, you can catch all of our episodes on the New Generation Podcast Network. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Also, be sure to check us out on YouTube, New Generation Media. We've launched a really cool, I talked about it a couple weeks ago, I think, a really cool series getting ready for the NBA draft. There's never early enough time to talk about the NBA draft. We're doing NBA versus. We're putting up prospects against each other, and me and Kendall are debating which prospect is the better pick for this upcoming draft. We've already done two sets of players. Our most recent video pitted Johnny Davis of Wisconsin versus Jaden Ivey of Purdue. If you guys want to check out that video, go to our YouTube channel, New Generation Media. Make sure you subscribe to that channel. Also, be sure to follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, New Generation Pod, Instagram, New Generation Podcast, and Facebook as well. You can find us searching New Generation Media. And follow us individually on social media. Kenneth could be found on Twitter, New Gen Ken. I can be found on Twitter, EJ underscore Stewart. And on Instagram, Action EJ. Thank you guys again for checking us out. Kendall, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace.